Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. everybody. Thank you for joining me and sharing your evenings with me. I have to thank Ken Quiethawk for my intro. You can find him at nativestorytellers.com and that's a site that everybody should take a look and listen to because it's an amazing site. I have a great guest tonight. I have Tim Schwartz with me and he is an Emmy Award winning television producer videographer and is the author of many books. Um, including The Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla, America's Strange and Supernatural History, Secret Black Projects, Evil Agenda of the Secret Government, Time Travel, a how-to guide, um, Richard Shaver, Reality of the Inner Earth, and Admiral Berg's Secret Journey Beyond the Poles, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight. As a photojournalist, he has traveled extensively and investigated paranormal phenomena and other unusual mysteries from such diverse locations as the Great Pyramid in Egypt to the Great Wall in China. He's worked with television networks such as, I love this, PBS, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, ESPN, Thames TV, and the BBC. And he's also appeared on the History Channel's program Ancient Aliens and the History Channel Latin America series. Um, It's in Spanish, but I'm going to translate it for you. It's Contact of Extraterrestrials. As well, Tim is the writer and editor of the online newsletter, Conspiracy Journal, a free weekly email newsletter considered essential reading by paranormal researchers worldwide. And then in his spare time, he is also the host of the webcast program, Exploring the Bazaar, heard Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on KCORradio.com. That's a cool station, too. You should check that one out. So... Welcome to the show, Tim. I'm so glad you could join me. Well, thank you, Barbara. It's a real pleasure to be uh, back with you again. Yeah, no, well, um, you've written such fascinating books, it's hard to stay away, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I, I mean, you've, you've hit on a number of my favorite topics, and of course, Admiral Berg's journey and, and the concept of hollow earth is something that has 
fascinated me forever, and I've researched it and researched it. And, of course, your book goes well beyond just Admiral Berg's journey. You talk about the concept of hollow earth and how it's been around for a gazillion years. And I think most people don't understand that, that this is something that is not new. It's, it's, been, it's been in our history, in our, in our legends, as long as we've had legends. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how right now you you have really a lot of people. It surprises me how many people believe that the Earth is flat, yet you bring up the notion that the world could be hollow, and you're 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 met with you know just really incredulous looks. Of course, I suppose to be. To be honest, it's the same looks that I give somebody who suggests with a straight face that the earth is flat. But uh, <laughs> uh, and 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 yeah. I suppose that if you if you believe that the earth is flat, then there's no way it could be hollow. <laughs> well, that's true. Unless uh, but, you folded it, if you folded it, it would be at least a tube. There you go. There you go. And I say, oh no, no, you're gonna you're gonna start a whole new. <laughs> whole new meme now, you know. It's the Earth isn't round. It isn't flat. It's a tube. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and people may laugh at that, but you know, something stranger things have happened. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think somebody somebody was talking about the Antichrist and and describing him, and I said, well, you know, if they were really going to mess with your head, I think the Antichrist should be a woman. And I I stopped the person dead in their tracks. So you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, that's right. It's it's kind of you know when when we make up our mind that something is can't possibly happen or be, it, it's really hard to backpedal. So I kind of leave yes. everything open. You know. You know. I I'm not sure, but convince me. I'm open to listening. So there you go. Um, there you and, go. I like that. That's a good attitude. And and it's it's really when when you read your book and you and and you read all of the different um, theories and and the the absolutely sane people that are that are you know explaining them, it's it's hard to not. And when you when you think past history and all of the ancient cultures that have talked about you know um, being saved by by the people from from below or at, at one point mm-hmm. I, I forget which Indian tribe it was but they, they said that they were taken beneath the surface by the ant people and saved yeah. and right. so so those stories, those histories those those tidbits have been in history for so long that that it, to my mind there has to be some truth to it if and, if you do your homework and and research all of the different creation mythologies um, from from the past, it the majority of them seem to be divided into um, two schools of thought. One of them was that mankind came from the stars, or mm-hmm. mankind emerged. From underneath the earth, and of course, most of them, you know, most of these mythologies, mankind had help, you know, by you know some some sort of 
of deity or deities. But we have we either came from the stars or we came from underneath the planet. Uh, uh-huh. So I, I just I just always found that extremely fascinating. Now to me it 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 really made sense to think that we may have come from the stars, you know, uh-huh. uh, but um, it, it, it surprised me somewhat when I was doing my original uh, research in all, in all this, the concept that, uh, that we may have emerged from some kind of, you know, underground uh, world. But, you know, there are just so many, uh, 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 different past civilizations that that really uh, uh, took that to heart and built very rich mythologies around that concept, and and a lot of that um, carried on into well into historical times. Now you know what uh, uh, the majority of these you know mythologies that I'm talking about you know came before. Uh, uh, really, uh, as far as we know, people had developed, you know, writing. So this would have been uh, basically word of mouth uh, handed down from generation to uh, generation stories. But, I mean, we still have with us today stories from some of the uh, uh, native uh, Inuits that uh, they they still tell that their ancestors – um, came from the north, which is is surprising because they're already about as far north as you can get. Uh, but they uh-huh. they claim that uh, their ancestors came from even further north, from a land where the sun never set, where it was perpetual daylight. Um, uh, you have uh, 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 some of the first. And civilizations, societies, I suppose, cultures uh, would, would probably be a better word that developed in the uh, in the Middle East, and you have these stories of of the first people who came from um, caverns, where uh, the uh, say like the, the 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 sky goddess and an earth god would uh, um, uh, make love. And then the offspring would have been mankind, and they emerged from caverns or holes uh-huh. in the ground. Uh, and and you you look all over the planet, and and there's all types of of, of different variations on this theme, but they all pretty much tell kind of like the, the the same story you know maybe the names have been changed uh, uh the, the 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 gods and goddesses involved may have uh, uh different faces but basically you're talking about the same kind of stories you know that 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 mm-hmm. mankind the first first people who populated the planet came from underground and and sometimes there's uh an elaboration where uh, they actually describe what the land uh, underground was like, and and a lot of times you you get the the same kind of stories of a perpetual perpetual daylight, uh, an almost paradise type of existence. Uh, 
uh, a, a land rich and abundant in plant and animal life, which which makes you wonder why they left that <laughs> to come to the surface world. But go ahead, go ahead. Well, after reading your book, um, you know, I, I have a a spiritual background, and uh, spirituals believe that when you die, you go to a place called Summerland, where mm-hmm. the sun never sets, and it's kind of like paradise, and you know that's kind of where you rest up before you come back for another run at at, at being a physical entity, and. After reading your book, I can I can see how I'm not sure I buy the hollow earth, but I do buy or or I would I would be very very open to the fact that at each pole there is a portal to another dimension. Mhm. Mhm. Um you know, and it's interesting that you would say that because the uh with with the exception of uh of some of the uh, say like uh, the the stories from the inuits and then there were um a few stories that say like the ancient greeks uh, uh and and it's odd because there's the ancient greeks and then you had uh, uh some of the uh, celtic tribes who described uh, a land to the far north uh, you know, uh, some attributed to the name uh, was it High Brazil, and then uh, there was there were some other names, but uh, but it was kind of the same situation where apparently there was some kind of um, entrance way to you know, in the far north that would take you uh, to the underground kingdom. Now it wasn't really until the uh, 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 late 18th and early 19th century that this kind of gained, you know, a new uh, a lease on life. And you had uh, uh, some uh, scientists actually uh, uh, talking about this, that uh, uh, that it could actually you know, be real, that there could actually uh-huh. have been or not have been, but there were actually, you know, physical openings in the, uh, the the North and South Pole that would lead to uh, the inner Earth. I mean, you had uh, Edmund Haley uh, was one of the uh, uh, earlier ones, you know, the guy who uh, 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 was the, the first to uh, plot uh, the orbits of comets. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, one of his, it was one of his favorite theories that the uh, the Earth not only was it hollow, but it was kind of like a, a Russian nesting doll. That there were a number of, of smaller spheres inside uh, the planet, and that uh, the and then there was the possibility that each of these spheres uh, uh, were habitable. Uh, now, it, what was interesting is that he came up with this theory uh, because of the way the uh, the Earth's magnetic field has a tendency to uh, 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 to travel around, especially the uh, uh, magnetic north. Uh, oh yeah, know, it, uh, it's yeah, it's never at the same place. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's right now. I think it's 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 moving to the east at uh, uh, like uh, uh, feet. A day, which you know, I mean that uh, 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 that that that's pretty fast. So it was his theory that this was because of all of these different uh, uh, smaller 
spheres uh, underneath our feet as they were uh, rotating and, and wobbling around. Uh, but again, uh, you could access these supposedly by the uh, the, the, the polar openings. Now, uh, you talked about how this could be a, uh, a spiritual uh, uh, types of, of portals or openings almost. Um, there was a gentleman by the name of, uh, of T. Lob Singh Rampa. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yes, uh, I am. He wrote he wrote a, a series of books, and and unfortunately, there's a, a lot of people have forgotten about him uh, nowadays. But especially in the 50s and 60s, uh, he was really popular, and he uh-huh. he 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 wrote a book first called The Third Eye, and he claimed that he was a uh, he was a Tibetan monk. And that he had been raised in uh, Nepal, uh, Tibet, Nepal, uh, uh, in a, a Buddhist monastery. And um, one of his stories, he talks about how he uh, he was taken to the uh, the underground kingdom of Agartha, but mm-hmm. that when he made his underground journey, starting from a uh, a cavern system in the Himalayas. Um, he actually went through a a, a portal, uh, for want of a better word, you know, almost like a a, a window uh, in in one of these underground caverns that took him to the and I'm going to put quotation marks around this took him to the hollow earth. But the way that he said it actually was was that this was a location that could be could be gotten to from other window areas uh, across the universe so that it wasn't necessarily located within our planet, but was lo- could be located in every planet. I don't know if that makes sense, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, but 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 he said that you know when you go underground and go through this window area, and it's almost like your concept that you know that this may have taken you know the take you to like the you know the Summerland, you know or or the afterlife, and that was that was almost the way that that he was putting it, that uh, you weren't actually at a physical location underneath the earth, but it took you almost to, you know, like another, you know, a, a plane of reality or another, you know, dimension, so to speak. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you, you have all of these different uh, concepts throughout history, not only of the possibility of a physical hollow earth, but of a, you know, inter- interdimensional, spiritual, astral plane, you know, the sky's the limit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I did a long time, a couple years ago, um, and I was working with Bill Brown, who's uh, an Egyptologist, and he he had a map of, of places on the Giza Plateau that he wanted to investigate, and we talked about, you know, how would he know where to dig and stuff like that. And I said, well, why don't you just astral travel there? And he said, do hmm. you know how to do that? And, I, and so I put together a group of about 70 people all around the world. And what I did was um, we, we, we did several um, meditations online, and I took people out of body into different venues, and always it seemed that we would go into a tunnel system of some sort that had access to portals to different realms, to different dimensions. 
And um, mm-hmm. if if anybody's interested on my website, there's a, a place for there's a blog for um, the um, meditations that we did, and you can listen to the meditation, go along with it, and there's material there that tells you about that particular place. We did pyramids all over the world, and it was fascinating, the material that we got. And I think part of it is a lot of this material, you have to be to a level of um, consciousness that that allows you to to move into another realm. And um, you know, once you once you are at that place, all things are possible, and it, and it's it's fascinating um, because I mean, you even have stuff from the Bible that talks about inner Earth, which I found fascinating. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, you know, you look into the whole uh, uh, biblical con you know concept of Sheol. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> Sheol. Uh, what we would now call hell, you know, which is the uh, uh, an, an underground uh, a place, almost uh, infinite in size, uh, where uh, all the uh, uh, you know bad souls uh, go to be punished, mm-hmm. you know, and and of course you look at uh, the ancient uh, mythologies of uh, you know take a look at uh, at, at Greece. Uh, you know the Greek mythologies. You know, everybody went to Hades. You know, it didn't matter if you were or good or bad. You went to Hades, which was located uh, underground. Uh, so I mean, here you have these these fascinating religious uh, connections with with some kind of underground uh, location. Uh, whether it uh, whether it be actual, you know, like I said, whether it be actually a physical location or some kind of of, of spiritual place, uh, but there is this undeniable connection uh, that uh, that humanity has uh, with these these underground uh, kingdoms, and um, uh, you know, modern modern society seems to have. Uh, uh, forgotten it somewhat, but it still emerges, uh, you know, in uh, in our consciousness from from time to time with stories like uh, like the Hollow Earth or uh, 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 Richard Shaver and his uh, 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 Deros and the uh, you know an, an antediluvian civilization that 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 moved underground just before. Uh, cataclysm struck the planet, you know, millions of years ago. Uh, the, the the whole UFO uh, uh, mystery has had its hollow Earth connection. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, here we are in the 21st century, yet the hollow Earth is still within our pop culture. Well, you know, when they say, you know, uh, as I can't remember how many hundreds of miles um, the crust is thick before you get to hollow earth, but we've never even drilled down that far to know if there is a hollow earth or not. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember. It's It's supposed to be about... 500 to a thousand miles something like that right right before yeah, before yeah. you get 
Yeah, before you before you get to the the hollow earth. I mean, you know, we supposedly we do now have the benefit of of using um, earthquakes and and seismic readings to uh, to be able to tell the different densities of of the crust and you know and uh, what happens when these uh, um, um, waves go from one location through the planet and come out on onto the other side uh, mm-hmm. however you know we're we're just making guesses on uh, uh what these readings come up with uh the 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 certain kinds of densities um i, I know uh, one scientist told me one time that um because a lot of the hollow earth theories involves not only do you have a a void basically in the center of the planet in uh-huh. in, in in which the underside of this void uh could actually you know be habitable you know uh, the, uh, uh with land and 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 an atmosphere and seas and things like that but at the exact center of this void uh would be a uh, a small sun uh but it wouldn't be a sun like uh the like a celestial sun you know it's it's not a ball of 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 hydrogen and and, and plasma instead it it could be uh, exactly what we're expecting the center of the Earth to have. It, it, it could be a ball of compressed uh, uh, nickel and iron and heated to a fantastic degree. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the gentleman, and, and he's a very, very well-known uh, um, geologist, told me this. He says it's entirely possible that, that this is the case, that, uh, the, you know, the readings that we get that show different densities at certain depths could be actually a gaseous atmosphere till finally you get to the center where there, there would be this uh, um, um, uh, extremely dense uh, and hot nickel iron ball. So he said the concept as it's been proposed of a, of a hollow earth with a center sun May not be outside the realm of impossibility. You know, of course, he was just, he was just speculating, but mm-hmm. saying that the Earth is solid all the way down is still just speculation as well. And I and I, and I know that there, you know, if if there are any scientists and ge- geologists, you know, who are listening, they're probably, you know, gnashing their teeth, saying, "No, you know, we you know we know exactly what's there." But you don't. Nobody does. No. You know, it's like it's like you said. We've only been able to manage to drill down. Oh, and I can't remember. You know, the the the, the Soviet Union. I think has the record of how far down that they were able to drill. And, yeah, but they and had to really stop because it got too hot. It got too yeah, it got too hot, and the pressure you know it got too deep, which is why you know mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of people said, well, then see that proves that uh, you know the earth uh, you, you know couldn't be hollow, and you know again, it's it's difficult to say because we've never been any further down than say you know ten miles. I don't even know if they managed to get that far down, but you know let's just say ten yeah. miles. Uh, you know, below the crust. So, you know, after you get past a certain point, who knows, you know, what you're going to uh, uh, run into. Um, 
you know, now as for my own personal ideas, I'm kind of like you, Barbara. I mean, you know, I, I, I try to, um, you know, I, I try to leave my uh, uh, belief systems open for any possibilities because, you know, you don't want to get too wrapped up in your own personal beliefs and bias because if you're then presented with new evidence, a lot of times you refuse to look at that new evidence because you've already convinced yourself that such and such is 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 already true. And as we well mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, information <laughs> is constantly changing. You know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that uh, people didn't believe that rocks could fall from the sky. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and yeah. you know, now we know they do. Uh, uh, so it, I, it wasn't I that long. Ago. I, I've definitely learned to not say absolutely anything because right, right. as soon as you make that declaration, something happens and you look foolish. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, I have learned over time to, not, to never say never and, uh, and, and to always be open to, you know, show me, teach me, you know, inform me because, you know, I, I have opinions, but they constantly change. So, um, you know, I'm I'm open to be swayed, and and you have a picture, <laughs> yeah. you have a graphic in your book that is of the South Pole, that that is of the aurora borealis, I think, but it's a, it's an absolute circle directly over the South Pole, and what a what an amazing piece of evidence for there's a hole here, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's an amazing that's an interesting picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, be, you know, because for the most part, I'm not too sure whether or not I I am a believer in in the you know what's they're referred to as signs, uh, uh, polar openings, because he was one of the mm-hmm. first uh, uh, modern uh, researchers. And when I say modern, I mean I think he lived in the uh, early 1800s. But uh, he was he was one of the first in in modern times to suggest that there was actually physical uh, uh, polar openings. But you know from from what we know now about the uh, 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 the North and the South Poles, the North especially because it's you know completely uh, covered at least for the time being in in water and 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 ice. Uh, the likelihood that there's a you know a physical opening uh, into the hollow earth in the North Pole, you know, I, I, I'm not quite too sure about that. Antarctica, however, there there is some locations where, uh, as as you pointed out in that picture, where it looks like that there is some kind of, of um, aurora type of activity that is emerging uh, from some type of 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 opening uh, yeah. uh there uh you know now this could be this could be a location that is um uh most of the time covered in ice mm-hmm. uh but and then you know periodically you know some way you know gets gets uncovered i don't know you know uh, again i've never been there so I can't tell you for sure. I've I've seen you know satellite uh, very good satellite photos, and despite what people say, I don't believe that there is some kind of conspiracy to uh, to keep the polar openings in the hollow Earth uh, hidden from us, because that's that's the same kind of stuff that uh, uh, believers in the flat Earth say that uh, the flat Earth <laughs> is being being kept from us by you know the uh, the power elite uh, for for whatever reason and 
you know, my. Well, I have. Go ahead. Yeah, I have read that that in the. I mean, the North Pole. Absolutely, I don't believe there's any land there. But on the South Pole, there is a continent there. So, oh yeah. Um, and and I know that that um, I read somewhere. And don't ask me where, because I read a lot, and I'm not sure where it came from. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it wasn't a garbage newspaper, though, that there is a, a, a lake of some sort on the South Pole that, um, that people are forbidden to fly over, which, you know, leads one to, one, to ask why. But um, we'll get to the South Pole in a few minutes, because that, that is, again, another one of my fascinations here but you know your, your your book on admiral berg and his secret journey um beyond the, the pole um fascinates me because admiral berg was was probably i mean he was a phenomenally stable man so mm-hmm. when he oh, came, yeah. <laughs> when he when when he i mean i mean really stable military you know so that so that uh, to a to a degree, so that so that you know, it, this is not a man who has flights of fancy, and I don't believe no, that he had no. any mental conditions or anything like that, and yet he opened up a whole can of worms that that took our government in a whole another direction. You want to explain? I mean, I, I just love stories like this, and and why why history hasn't really expanded upon it. I mean, he had a journal. He kept a journal, and they have the journal. I, I do have one question, though. On most of his flights, he had another person with him. These right. weren't singular right. journeys. Ha, has anybody ever talked to the other guy that was sitting next to him? Mm-hmm. I mean, does he con- confirm the story? Well, the, the, the story that you are referring to uh, came from a, uh, a book that uh, was first published in the 1950s. And it's, uh-huh. it's known under uh, uh, several names, like Admiral Byrd's Secret Diary, Admiral Byrd's uh, Lost Diary. Um, the, it, it actually started out as what was called a, uh, a, a, a Samizat, which is it wasn't officially published, but it was being um, printed and reprinted and then distributed basically by hand and, and, and mail. So, you know, somebody would uh, would print it using a, you know, like a, a, a Xerox or, or um, mimeograph or, or whatever types of, of copying machines that were available at the time and uh, and would then send it to somebody else and they would do the same and, you know, and, and send it on. And then somewhere along the lines, uh, somebody actually um, had it uh, had it officially published. And at at, at some point, uh, Timothy Green Beckley uh, actually was able to buy the uh, the, the rights to um, to publish the, uh, the 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 full book and and get it uh, widely distributed. You know, before. Before that time, it was mostly just uh, a, a small uh, independent publishers who I don't even think that they even um, had managed to get uh, copyrights uh, for this. But this diary was alleged to have been um, Bird's 
note log or log book from when he made a an airplane flight over the North Pole in 1947. Mm-hmm. And he did have a, uh, a navigator and a radio operator with him. Uh, uh, when I say ra- uh, navigator and radio operator, one person served both of those roles. And mm-hmm. the story goes that um, while making this flight, that they were accosted by a, a, a group of UFOs, disc-shaped objects that um, – he actually uh, uh, remembered that they had uh, uh, swastika insignias on them, which, uh, you know, in 1947, he would notice this <laughs> quite yeah. a bit. So uh, they received a, a radio signal from these crafts that they were instructed to follow them. And uh, when they followed them, they were actually taken to um, – an area that uh, nobody had ever flown over before, and it w- and he alleged in this diary that they flew into a uh, a great chasm, which took them um, underground to uh, to the hollow earth. Not very far; their their plane could only go you know so far. Uh, but uh-huh. that they were taken they were taken to a city, and in this city they met with. Uh, the leaders of this place, and they were given a message, and it's uh, it's 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 amazing because this uh, uh, if you had inserted um, taken away the hollow earth aspects of it, and uh, you know put say like you know Venus or Mars or something like that, the, the story reads very much like some of the early uh, contactee uh, books from say like George yeah. Damsky and Howard Benger. Uh, that you know, at that time, but they were basically told that uh, you know mankind was uh, was fooling around with atomic weapons, and that uh, uh, we better stop it because not only uh, could these atomic weapons uh, destroy the surface world, uh, but it wouldn't be too good for uh, those who uh, uh, lived uh, uh, in the uh, the hollow earth as well, and that if we didn't stop it, then uh, they would come up and uh, stop it for us. And uh, so, I mean, it uh, the you're you're left with the impression that while this was a friendly chat, that it wasn't quite the message wasn't so friendly. Uh, yeah. If you if, if you get what I'm saying, that uh, you know these people uh, that were talking to Bird were you know you know uh, appeared nice <laughs> but left him with the, but left him with the feeling that if we didn't clean up our act up here then uh they would come up with uh, a, a mop and bleach and uh, and really clean it up for us and then they oh. uh they 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 refueled uh they refueled his airplane and escorted him back out again and uh allowed him to to come back uh, with his his message for mankind. Um, now, now that I've described uh, this story to you, the interesting thing about this is that at the same time that uh, a bird claim 
that he had made this journey in 1947 um, in the Arctic. In reality, he was nowhere near the Arctic. He was actually in Antarctica involved in a United States operation called High Jump. So he was at a uh, on on the com- completely different pole at that time. So we're left wondering what really happened. Uh, you know, that, you know, you 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 have some you know uh, 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 people who say that well, Bird actually wasn't with Operation High Jump. Uh, that it, he he was supposed to be there, but actually he was making this secret journey uh, over the North Pole. But I haven't found any evidence that that is the case. Um, uh-huh. as, as far as as far as I can tell, and there is film that was taken, uh, lots of film that was taken uh, during Operation High Jump, which uh, um, which took place from August. 1946 and ended in late February 1947, and uh, his 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 journey to the to the North Pole was supposed uh, allegedly took place in early February 1947. Um, so, what my theory is, and and I've and I've taken a lot of heat from people who 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 really want to believe. That 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 bird uh, actually traveled into the hollow earth uh, uh, at the North Polar opening, but I think that the the lost diary of Admiral Bird and the whole hollow earth story, at least that aspect of it, is disinformation to cover up what actually was going on with Operation High Jump. Um, that uh, uh, whatever was happening in Antarctica ended up being so controversial that somewhere, somebody along the lines came up with this story of of Admiral Byrd uh, uh, flying into the Hollow Earth and uh, and and, and given this you know this secret message from the Hollow Earth people because whatever was going on in Antarctica may have been so startling, maybe even so frightening, that this was something that needed to be covered up. And what better way to cover up? What better way to cover it up than by giving it a uh, really a fantastic story that that sounds a little too, you know, too wild to believe. Well, it also kind of destroyed his career to a degree. I mean, with this kind of stuff coming out, Making him look like you know he was he, the government told him not to say anything about it or not to talk about it and you know and exactly he didn't, obviously um, well uh, he wonder. did a little bit yeah he did a little uh-huh. bit though which which may have made it made it worse for him because um, um, Operation uh, uh, High Jump and you have to remember this was a huge operation uh, this well, let's, involved let's, let's give a bit. bit. Let's give some background to why Operation High Jump happened. Huh. Well, see, that's part of the controversy. Yeah, well, okay, well, let, let's get into that because, I mean, that to mm-hmm. me, um, 
again is 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 another area that that you know is just so fascinating if if you you could do hours and hours and hours on it but but for those people that don't understand why the south pole was so important for us to go down and investigate and <clears throat> try to do stuff um so so why was the south pole so fascinating well, and that's that's what we're really not too too sure about. Um, Operation High Jump, which was officially titled the United States Navy Antarctic Development Program, um, uh, uh, involved oh my gosh, it had like I think uh, uh, over uh, forty five hundred men, thirteen ships, thirty three aircraft. Uh, there was even a submarine uh, involved, and you have to remember. This took place, this started in 1946. World War mm-hmm. II had just ended. Uh, the Navy was actually in the process of decommissioning a lot of ships. And then all of a sudden, here this great big huge uh, uh, Navy project was, was brought up. Ships were brought, you know, uh, w- w- they were taken out of mothballs. You had all of these men, a lot of them who were all set to, uh, to go home. Uh, but instead, they were given this new commission uh, uh, to, to 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 go to Antarctica. I mean, this this was something that was completely unheard of, considering the time that it took place. Uh, uh, the it was said that this was going to be a uh, a, a project, first of all, to look for minerals and resources in Antarctica, and also to help uh, 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 train men or to uh, come up with new ways to uh, train the military on how to deal with the possibility that the Soviet Union could attack the Western Hemisphere by coming over the northern polar regions. Now then, now that I say that, if that was the case, why go all the way to Antarctica when you had Alaska? Heck, even Canada would have allowed the uh, 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 United States military to do training uh, you know, in their uh, Arctic regions. So uh-huh. why go all the way to Antarctica for some kind of training exercise with all of those men, all of those ships, all of that money? being used when you could have done it just as easy a lot closer to home. Now, the uh, uh, the military's response to that was, well, we did not want to get the Soviet Union uh, all excited and suspicious uh, uh, by us uh, doing that, which that that really doesn't make much sense either. So we're no. left with this, this, this huge operation. Going down to Antarctica, and, and for the uh, the idea that they were looking for mineral and resources, there was never any kind of evidence that um, they came back with anything of any use along those lines. Uh, uh, and and uh, you know they visited an area that uh, Admiral Byrd was already familiar with. Uh, by the way, he had had a. Uh, um, uh, an Antarctic research base there uh, uh, years before, so we're still we're we're left with this puzzle 
on why this huge Navy task force was set down to Antarctica at this particular time. Uh, and it was supposed to last a lot longer. It was supposed to go, uh, and you have to remember that um, uh, August through you know January, February, uh, uh, and March. That is the uh, um, that's the the, the, the uh, summer down there. So yeah. the the weather was uh, you know the weather was supposed to be you know fairly you know <laughs> as nice as it can be. I, <laughs> I, I suppose yeah. there. Uh, but um, uh, after they got there, it took them a while to get there. Uh, once they got there, they were there only a matter of a few weeks before they suddenly just packed up and came back home. They left about – I think they, they were supposed to have at least two months left in in uh-huh. this operation. But for some reason, they turned around and quickly came back. Now, there were um, reporters – that were uh, uh, stations uh, on these ships uh, from uh, various uh, uh, Central and South American newspapers. And Admiral Byrd uh, told them, as they were on their way back, that he had to address, uh, he had to address Congress uh, because from, he said that what they discovered down there worried him because he was afraid that the United States was going to be attacked, and this is how he put it, by um, how did he? I'm trying trying to make sure I got this right now. By um, enemy missiles coming over the poles. That's that's the way that he put. It. And uh, and when he did when he got back, he did he he addressed a I guess a, a small committee of congressmen in a secret hearing. Uh, it's it's in the congressional re, uh, record that he addressed this small committee, but there's no record of exactly what he told them. And then after that, it, it, it's like you said, um, his career was basically over with. Um, uh, there was never any official reprimands or anything like that. But from what happened to him afterwards, he basically was retired uh, from that from that point on. Um, and and we're still left today wondering. And there's there's all kinds of of fascinating theories. I mean, I I addressed you know a number of them, you know, in in several of my books. But we really don't know just exactly what happened down there, what they were looking for. Why they turned around and came back so quickly, and what it was that uh, that bird told Congress that worried him so much. Well, the one the one theory that 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 I have heard that that I think there has to be some credence to is that the Nazi Party had a base down there, and um, yeah. they were worried that that um, it was being developed. To sort of be a a, a jumping-off place for uh, for Hitler to make another go at trying to dominate the world. The uh, the British actually had a smaller expedition um, earlier in 1946 uh, in in the uh, spring of 1946. 
to to Antarctica, and they were looking for what was supposed to be a a secret Nazi base that had uh-huh. been established um, uh, during World War II, and they had heard rumors that uh, a number of Nazi uh, uh, personnel. Uh, scientists, intelligence officers, uh, uh, um, uh, supplies, uh, and the like had been transferred uh, to this uh, to this secret Nazi base. Um, the The British expedition down there uh, was hampered by uh, by extremely bad weather, so they they did not uh, uh, they were not successful. But I think that apparently because of Whatever it was that they thought was going on down there, uh, they let the United States know, and that, I think that is probably one of the major reasons that Operation High Jump took place, that they were looking uh, uh, for some kind of, of Nazi enclave there. Now, you also have to remember that uh, at the end of World War II, uh, a number of Nazi U-boats um, uh, surrendered in Argentina, and mm-hmm. a couple of them, the captains um, were interrogated uh, by the uh, um, uh, the OSS, the uh, the precursor to uh, the CIA, and they told the Americans that they had first stopped in Antarctica to uh, uh, drop off supplies and personnel before they surrendered in uh, Argentina. Uh, So uh, I think that uh, Operation High Jump uh, was uh, a uh, a mission to to look for um, something going on in uh, uh, by, by the Nazis. Whether or not the Nazis actually had as big a base as they said they did, uh, because I mean we now know that um, a, a majority of, 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 of top-ranking Nazis and uh, uh, scientists actually went to South America. They may have got their start though in Antarctica, and because who wants to live in Antarctica? <laughs> you know, even. Even in a, uh, a, a a fairly nice base of operations, I think that uh, possibly they uh, they eventually made their way uh, to South America. But you know that early on, you know, nineteen forty six, forty seven, there could very well have been a uh, a very well established uh, 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 Nazi base uh, in Antarctica. Why else would the United States, uh, using a, a well-known expert uh, of polar exp- expeditions um, like Admiral uh, Byrd, to, uh, to man this huge operation to go to, uh, to Antarctica and then to turn around and leave as quickly as they did. It, to me um... – First of all, I, I absolutely believe that the uh, the Nazis had had some sort of um, camp there of some sort that was under the ice mm-hmm. that was heated by geophysical whatevers, you know. And because even of late, 
they are they are discovering huge caverns under the ice several miles down that that mm-hmm. you know are are obviously you know they're they're natural but they're there and it would make great sense that if you could get a submarine in there safely and out safely it would be a perfect place to to do all sorts of research and stuff like that and and i mean the ss and you know the Society and all of them, um, they truly believed that they were a master race and that um, they were going to take over the world. And so, so come on, we had we had soldiers in in jungles, uh, Japanese soldiers in jungles that came out what ten years, fifteen years later that still thought the war was going on. Right, right. So, yeah, in some of these some of these Pacific islands and in the uh, Philippines. Yeah, so so I don't find it um, hard to believe that that a conclave of some sort survived for a great deal of time. Now, I I know that that you know from from what I've read and what I've seen and and you know things they've had on TV and stuff that that um, there is there was a huge population of German officers that that were in South America, even possibly Hitler, so that so that you know um what our newspapers have told us um for for whatever the reason um at the time they knew that they didn't have Hitler's body but they still said that they had found it but um in all the reports that I have seen they 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 flat out said that they couldn't identify the body as being Hitler's so so it's very clear that he made it out of Germany so that being said, I, I guess it would have it would have panicked the world if they knew that he had escaped. I guess they had to kill him off just to put an end to everything. But mm. it does make you wonder, you know, what our government does and doesn't let us know. You know, we're we're not well informed really about almost anything because they just don't give us the truth or all the mm. all of the truth. They give us part of the truth. Well, now, here, here is another interesting um, Hollow Earth connection with all of this, with, with Operation High Jump and the possibility of a, um, a secret Nazi base in Antarctica. Um, it's, it's well known, I mean, and, and uh, anybody who ever watched uh, the first Indiana Jones movies knows that, uh, that Hitler – was very interested in getting a hold of uh, 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 religious objects uh, under Spirit the belief, destiny. under the occult spear of destiny. There, you know, some other uh, things uh, as as well. Uh, under the belief that uh, uh, the the government who owned these objects of religious power. Uh, would be able to uh, uh, use uh, occult methods to uh, to control the planet. Mm-hmm. Well, because of this, there were a number of expeditions, German expeditions, that were sent all across the planet to search for entranceways into the hollow earth. The belief was and this was based on some of these uh, uh, these early mythologies that we talked about at the beginning of the progr- at the program 
Uh, but uh, but Germany had uh, some of these these early uh, you know like Teutonic uh, types of legends where the okay. first Aryan race emerged from this this underground paradise you know uh, 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 Agartha or you know whatever whatever you want to call it Tool uh, and all kinds of different names and that the uh, uh the 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 germans the the pure blooded germans the aryans uh were the direct descendants from this master race that uh, that they believe still lived underground and uh, uh, uh so these expeditions were sent out to look for these entranceways to try to uh, to, to to find uh, this uh, uh, these Aryan uh, masters, and to forge an alliance uh, to uh, to to help uh, the Germans and the Nazis uh, conquer the planet. They uh, uh, Tibet. There were a number of expeditions uh, sent to uh, Tibet, South America. I mean, there's uh, uh, there are lots and lots of of ancient tunnel systems. Throughout Central and South America, that uh, uh, lead. You know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of them that we still don't know exactly where they lead to. Some of them have collapsed over the years. Others, you know, people have tried to uh, go into them, but uh, uh, never come back. <laughs> uh, and. And some of these, a uh, couple of these expeditions also went to uh, Antarctica uh, because there were stories from some of the early uh, German scientific expeditions to Antarctica that they had discovered. And it's like you said, they had discovered these caverns uh, that were um, that were heated by geothermal uh, hot springs. And uh, you had like these these beautiful underground lakes and and possibly even areas uh, on the surface, uh, kind of like uh, some of these uh, um, uh, 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 movies uh, that you've seen where they've discovered you know like the hidden valleys uh, where the dinosaurs still lived. Well, a lot of those uh-huh. uh, 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 stories and and you know pop culture references came uh, from these rumors. That such places existed uh, in in Antarctica, and so uh, the Germans uh, went there in in search of these places. And uh, there, you know, there is the possibility that this this secret base uh, actually utilized uh, uh, these kinds of areas, these these uh, uh, um, um, hot springs. Uh, those vast caverns, either within uh, mountains or uh, 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 like ice caverns uh, uh, that were uh, created in, in in the thick ice, or maybe a combination uh, of of the two. And so, of course, by the end of the war, uh, the rumor mill had been circulating for quite some time. That at least one of these expeditions in in search of a entrance into the into the hollow earth had been successful, and this was uh, uh, from Antarctica. Uh, and I think that uh, um, when uh, the British, especially, were able to intercept uh, some of these transmissions coming from these uh, German U-boats 
that were leaving, uh, say, South Africa, some of these ports in South Africa, on their way to Antarctica was the reason that uh, uh, they they attempted their first expedition uh, to Antarctica and then later uh, uh, got the help or not the help, but actually you know convinced the the, the United States to uh, to do an expedition of their own. Well, you know, there's there's also <clears throat> it's it is common knowledge that Hitler used uh, a psychic called Maria Orshak. I think that's how you mm-hmm. say her last name. Um, that was talking about communicating with with um, alien cultures, and and mm-hmm. that the base in in Antarctica was developing um, their own form, their own design of of UFOs. And um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Continue. 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 So, so that it's something that 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 often I I have wondered about because it, it you know there there is such a, a plethora of UFO sightings and stuff. It makes one wonder: are they extraterrestrial or are they ours? Or are they mm. another country's that that has the same technology that we do, and mm-hmm. you know the government just isn't letting us know that yeah we have we have you have we have um, we have um, you know saucers of our own that that you know we're working with and and so I'm wondering if the, there there is the government is letting us panic about invasions from outer space when it it's not outer space invasions it's inner space invasions and and you know it's just that we've developed them and and so have other governments and so we're we're seeing something that is of our own making and yet our government hasn't let us know that it's us Does mm-hmm. that make sense uh Oh yes, definitely, definitely. Well, I, I I was just going to say you do you did a much better job of pronouncing her name than I ever could. German <laughs> uh, uh, trying trying to pronounce some of these German names has never been yeah. uh, my strong suit. Um, but uh, as as you said, um, you know that that is another uh, interesting story that that surrounds this because you're talking about uh some of these early occult groups like the uh like the tool society that um actually emerged in the early 1920s uh-huh. um uh, in in germany uh, uh germany and austria uh, were were where these these groups actually uh, uh, emerged, and um, they used um, what we would now call you know like mediums or, or, or channelers to uh-huh. receive uh, messages uh, allegedly from uh, from extraterrestrials from a uh, a far flung uh, a star system, and uh, uh, part of these messages involved um basically scientific uh, blueprints on how to construct a uh, um a spacecraft and mm-hmm. uh, uh as 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 time went by uh, uh, uh 
the Nazis, uh, especially certain uh, certain party members who who had a close uh, uh, who had Hitler's ear, uh, were able to uh, uh, to convince Hitler that um, that these blueprints uh, were workable, and so they actually uh, 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 took time and spent a lot of money to uh to try and develop these crafts now uh, one of the interesting things about all this is that uh, uh um, one of these mediums and i can't remember which one because you know there were several and they were always distinguished by uh, uh their long hair they 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 couldn't cut their hair uh mm-hmm. for for some reason but uh, one of these mediums uh, uh, told them that the best place to construct and and attempt to operate these crafts currently, or currently at that time, uh, uh, what, would have been in Antarctica. And so that supposedly was one of the reasons that uh, they... Uh, they went to Antarctica to to build this base was to uh, to try to build and test fly um, these crafts. Now, uh, what's interesting is that the the prominent members of the Thule Society, I guess, um, regretted um, 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 working with the Nazis uh, at at first. Before I guess uh, um, uh, they realized just exactly you know what the the brown shirts um, uh, 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 intentions were with the rest of the planet, uh, they were ha- they were happy to work with them. But then as time went by, uh, they they weren't so happy. And uh, some of the rumors that I've heard that they actually um, had, I guess, um, a, a, a secret wing of 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 Nazis and scientists building their own spaceships uh, because um, these mediums at some point disappeared and were never seen again. And it wasn't like, um, uh, as far as we know, I mean, they weren't rounded up and taken to a concentration camp or anything like that, or, you know, escaped to another country. No, these people just disappeared. And, and again, the rumor had it is that they had constructed their own ship and had left the planet, <laughs> or went in, or went inside, or went inside the planet, because there was also, um, you know, some of these uh, alleged uh, transmissions that they were getting were not only from uh, a distant star system, but supposedly from a uh, a race from uh, within the planet. Though this. This race, this alien race from within the planet was actually, rather than it being the hollow earth like we're talking about, was actually more of like a giant cavern system that uh, crisscrossed mm-hmm. uh, 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 across the globe. So it could have been that they, they made their escape uh, uh, underground. So here again, we have this this fascinating connection. Um with the hollow earth, you know, starting, like I said, uh, with this, uh, this book, the lost diary of Admiral bird, uh, then going to operation high jump, looking for a, a, a possibly a Nazi secret base that was formed because the Nazis were looking for an entrance into the hollow earth. Uh, 
Yeah, well, I mean, you, you could, you could, you could make a movie out of all of this. <laughs> the, oh, the, and the I'm pretty sure they are, are will. Just so good. <laughs> well, actually, they're. Um, I don't know if they ever finished the production, but uh, you know that there was a uh, uh, gosh, what, what was it? It was like uh, uh, from Sweden or Finland or or someplace like that. A movie company actually, you know, they made a movie um, called Iron Sky, uh, which involved uh, uh, the Nazis had escaped in spaceships and had uh, established a secret base on the moon. And uh, and then uh, uh, came back and uh, were it invaded invaded the planet, and it was like it was kind of a you know like a like a tongue in cheek uh, type of uh, of movie. It's very well done uh, too, but they were working on a, a sequel where it was discovered that those that didn't go to the moon had actually gone to the hollow earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't it doesn't. It's not that far a reach because Werner von Braun, <clears throat> when asked about, you know, the technology they were using, you know, he he literally just about said we had, we had help from other sources, um, mm-hmm. inferring that that there was an extraterrestrial um, faction of some sort that was working with the Nazis, uh, because they developed. The jet engine before we did. They developed their their uh, rocket um, stuff was far superior than ours, um, and you know it, the scientists. I mean, look at Operation Paperclip. We took all their scientists, made them Americans, and set them to work here. I mean, mm-hmm. go figure. Well, um, you know, I mean, we we have these stories of uh, of the Tool Society who um, had uh, who had come up with these 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 blueprints allegedly for um, uh, a spaceship, but you also have uh, people like uh, 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 Nikola Tesla, who uh, ah. had uh, who had worked for a number of years on his theories of of, of Fueled propulsion, or you know, we'd call it uh, anti-gravity uh, now. But uh, uh, Tesla had uh, had developed some interesting ideas uh, about using uh, uh, electricity and, uh, and and electromagnetism uh, to uh, uh, to basically create a uh, a lifting type of of, of, of device that uh, that could have been uh, uh, used. Uh, for aircraft, um, unfortunately, when Tesla was was working on these ideas and these theories, the technology at the time uh, he could only take them so far. You know, uh, you, you may you could be the greatest scientist in the world, but unless you have the technology to to help you develop these ideas. That's all they're going to be is is ideas, uh, but uh, by the late 1930s, the Nazis had a very well established spy ring on the East Coast, and uh, Tesla was very well known for uh, uh, never getting rid of any of his his notes or, or writings. Uh, actually, Tesla didn't write a lot of stuff down himself. It was his assistants who did, but still, 
uh, Tesla had uh, uh, reams and reams of, of interesting scientific material scattered all across, especially um, um, New York. And uh, uh, more than likely, uh, Hitler, who knew Tesla, you know, knew of Tesla very well, and in fact had uh, had wanted to kidnap him at one point and bring him to Germany to work for him, uh, 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 got uh, his 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 spies to uh, locate as much material as they could get their hands on uh, from Tesla and bring it back to Germany. So I have no doubt that a lot of the um, technical progress, especially when it comes to the form of, of electrical, electromagnetic propulsion systems, came from this purloined Tesla material. And of course, Tesla was, was uh, not in good health at that time, so, and he, would, he never noticed. Well, I think also, though, I know, I know they were working on anti-gravity stuff. They're, they're the Glock, the Bell. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, they had, yeah. Well, so, and, so, and a lot of that uh, probably came from uh, Tesla's work. And then when Tesla finally passed away, and I don't think he passed away. I think he was knocked off. Um, it's just my opinion, my gut feeling. Um, not all of his material was found. He had a certain number of trunks, and and they all they all were not uh, were not discovered. Oh, it's um, uh, we definitely know. Yeah, we definitely know that uh, a, a lot of Tesla's material um, uh, didn't make it uh, into the hands of the United States government when Tesla died. And you have to remember that. Uh, um, he was living in a hotel called uh, the New Yorker um, uh, in in Manhattan, and that mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, there were FBI agents who were also living in the New Yorker uh, to keep an eye on him. Uh, so this uh, the story that you may have heard over the years that Tesla had largely been forgotten about is not true. Uh, the United States government was uh, well aware of Tesla, and uh, 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 and Tesla, right up until the time he died, was still uh, doing research and conducting experiments in a laboratory that he had established there in the uh, the New Yorker um, on one of the uh, upper floors, uh, and probably wasn't, with wasn't... the help of the United States government. Wasn't there some talk that that building actually became a, a tower um, for for generating energy or whatever? As I recall, no, there, it, it, had some, it had something to do with the, the, the size of the building, the technology um, with which the building was constructed made it a perfect receptacle for him to have his experiments in because it was able to pull the energy out of the air or whatever. There was something special about the building itself. The way that the building was constructed, and uh, and there were um, um, antennas uh, uh, yeah. on on top of the building uh, that uh, uh, you know could be could have been used both uh, for uh, reception and uh, and transmission of, uh, of of radio frequencies. Uh, but the main thing is that the uh, the New Yorker had a huge generator. In the basement, that uh, to to supply its own power if needed, 
Now, uh, mm-hmm. they, uh, the, the building, you know, used uh, the electricity provided uh, by, uh, by New York City, uh, but they had this huge generator uh, on standby just in case uh, something <laughs> happened and they needed to, uh, to, to fire it up. Well, it just so happened that this generator was the perfect size and had the perfect output for the type of, of um, especially uh, the uh, the transmission of, of electricity using a radio frequency, uh, something that you know Tesla had been working on for uh, a number of years. When you know this building uh, was perfect for these kinds of experiments, uh, uh, Tesla had uh, um, you know his his secretary and basically. Uh, you know the guy who who helped uh, Tesla, um, you know, uh, with his uh, correspondence and and, uh, and 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 experiments and things like that uh, in in his later life, who had been with Tesla for a number of years, ha- uh, wrote in his journal that uh, a day or so before Tesla passed away that the two of them were going to be uh, uh, conducting an experiment in Tesla's laboratory in the New Yorker, uh, but Tesla wasn't uh, wasn't feeling well that they were going to have to uh, uh, postpone it. Unfortunately, uh, uh, the next day, Tesla had uh, had passed away. So, so yes, uh, uh, Tesla was still uh, perfectly capable of, of conducting uh, these kinds of experiments, and, uh, and and as you had mentioned earlier, a lot of his material uh, was uh, taken uh, by the United States uh, government, a lot of it never to be seen again, but there was uh, a, a, a quite a bit of additional material that uh, some of the other some other people who were associated with pe- with Tesla, just happened to have uh, after you know when he before he died and, and after he died nobody knew that they had it. Uh, the FBI released a number of documents uh, a few years ago uh, dealing with Tesla, and one of them was a letter by a woman who um, um, had I guess a number of of, um, of trunkloads of Tesla material, and she was worried. Uh, what uh, what she was going to do with it because she was afraid that uh, somebody was going to try to steal it and you know kill her to to get it, mm-hmm. uh, but there was no record of any kind of response from the FBI, you know. So 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 who knows? After she wrote that, the poor thing may have had you know got a knock on the door from government agencies, uh, you know, asking well, for this yeah. stuff. Well, I think the government's biggest one of the government's biggest problems with Tesla was that he wanted to give it all away. He didn't want to charge for it. He didn't want to weaponize it. He wanted to develop um, something that, that would be of benefit to humanity, not necessarily you know, make him a rich man, though a little extra money wouldn't have hurt. Um, right. So that, so that you know, he was also a, a rather, my, my inclination is to say quirky, but let's say unusual yeah. in his, in his habits, he was very um, obsessive about yes. simple things like eating and, you know, the same thing at the same time at the same day and, and things like that. So he was a little OCD, but, but 
he he really was a humanist. He really wanted to give electricity away to the world. He didn't want to charge for it, and that's the reason they didn't pick his his form of energy because there was no way to put a meter on it and charge for it. So I, I would imagine that as he went forward with his work, with his studies, with his stuff, that that I don't think that he ever was focused on making money. He was he was focused on doing things that would make the world a better place to live in, and of course our government didn't want that at all. Uh, Tesla. Um, Tesla's interest in money was only as a source to continue his experiments and research. Um, uh, now, uh, you have to realize also that uh, uh, Tesla was also fond of, of you know, living the good, the good life. I mean, he, uh-huh. he, was, he was very cultured. He was very well educated. Um, you know, he enjoyed uh, the arts, the theater. Uh, you know, he liked uh, he liked a glass of whiskey uh, every day because he felt that that it was the key to uh, a long a long life. Um, but when it came to uh, his experiments and his research being used as um, weapons of destruction as weapons to attack rather than to defend, then yes, he was very much uh, against that. Now, Tesla came up with a number of ideas uh, to create weapons, but these would be weapons only to be used in defense, never to uh, attack. Uh, uh, Tesla came up with the idea of his, uh, as they called it, his uh, death ray, but actually it was a particle beam uh, uh, yeah. device. But, uh, but, but, but that this was not to be, this couldn't be used uh, uh, to to attack another country, uh, but only to uh, to knock, say, like missiles or aircraft that were, uh, you know, uh, 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 approaching your your borders. And he was very he was very much against the whole idea naturally of of war. But you know he he was a realist and he realized that uh, you you couldn't just leave yourself uh, undefended. So I mean uh, his ideas when it came uh, uh, to these kinds of devices were always in the form of defensive defensive weapons and, and and never aggressive. Yeah, I kind of, in a way, I think, like Leonardo da Vinci, he was an anachronism, you know, sort of really born in the wrong time for his mind. And, and um, you know, if you, if you put him ahead another hundred years, he probably would have fit right in, and hopefully, and, and been able to... To really utilize his skills and his talents, um, you, you know, looking at it from a spiritual point of view, he spent a great mm-hmm. deal of time. You know, there are pictures of him, you know, in the center of this massive electrical stuff going all over the place, you know, and kind of like taking a bath in the electrical stuff. And I think that electrical current, in many ways, helped him to get to a higher level of, of awareness. Than, than a lot of people, and this is not suggesting people should stick their finger in a, 
in a in a <laughs> socket to get you know the not not suggesting that at all, but mm-hmm. but it feels to me as though he was the kind of person that would would take that kind of energetic bath and and it would help to clear his consciousness to to go to other levels of understanding. That's why, you know, he was in he I believe you know really thought about talked about interdimensional stuff he he talked about time mm-hmm. travel he talked about um certainly the the um the the anti-gravity stuff so that so that you know all of that was more futuristic than the time really could take you know in the 40s in the 40s and the 30s um our culture just wasn't ready for that well, it's it's amazing uh, that that Tess, all of the stuff that Tesla was able to accomplish in his life, because you know, I mean, he his 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 first uh, grand idea was the 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 AC motor, uh, which he came uh-huh. up with in the uh, 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 late nineteenth century, and uh, and he just progressed uh, uh, from there. I mean, you know. Uh, the whole concept of of, of, of radio, uh, wireless radio, became I mean, you know people have been working on it for for quite a long time, but uh, you know Tesla made it happen. Uh, you know Marconi actually was using uh, devices that that Tesla had uh, had already patented, uh, remote control, uh, the uh, 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 microwaves, X-rays. Uh, Tesla came up with uh, fluorescent lights. I mean, you know, the list just goes on and on and on. Uh, so, I mean, to consider, and you're and you're absolutely right. Uh, a lot of Tesla's ideas were hampered by the technology and the attitudes from other scientists at the time. Uh, you know, I mean, you could you could come up with this great idea for say, you know, like a, uh, a, a an anti gravity uh, ship, but unless you have the technological knowledge and the material available to you to make that come true, then it's just it's still just an idea in your you know in your head. You know, maybe like you said, a hundred years down the line, uh, when technology yeah. catches up to you. You could make that a reality. So, uh, you know, if, if Tesla had been born, uh, you know, a hundred years later, uh, you know, think of the amazing things that he would have been able to accomplish. However, with a mind like Tesla, no matter what era he lives in, he's still going to be hampered by his brain going faster than the technology or the scientific attitudes of that time uh, uh, are available uh, to him. Now, when I say uh, scientific attitudes... Can can you imagine what he would do with a collider? I mean, you know... uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, How many patents did he have? Did he have a whole bunch or... um... Yeah, over, over 700. Now, did he have any relatives? Did anybody benefit from any of that stuff? Um, not really, no. Um, his last his last living relative actually just passed away 
um, earlier this year, he would have been, gosh, what was uh, his? It was like a like a great grand nephew, something something along those lines. But you know, Tesla, of course, you know, never married, uh, had children of his own. Uh, uh-huh. You know, he had he he had a brother and several sisters, uh, but that was his uh, um, his closest uh, uh, relatives. Uh, but um, uh, some of Tesla's um, um, most money-making uh, uh, patents, he actually, out of the kindness of his heart, sold them back uh, uh, because the, uh, 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 the company was, um, uh, even though it had made millions and millions of dollars, had not, uh, I guess, uh, uh, handled that money very well and was going out of business, or you know, they were almost on the verge of bankruptcy. Part of the reason was that um, they, uh, part of the contract agreement was that out of so many like kilowatts of electricity that was being generated, Tesla would get a certain amount of of, of money, you know, revenue from mm-hmm. that. And I mean that that was coming up to you know like uh, you know at that time and like I said we're talking about the, uh, the late nineteenth early twentieth century you know probably about a million dollars a year that's quite a bit of quite a bit of money so Tesla told them that because you were you know because you believed in me and you backed me and allowed me to develop this. Uh, you know the the AC motor and the AC electrical system, which we still enjoy today. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna rip up my contract. I'm gonna give you back the patent. That's the kind of guy that wow. Tesla was. Yeah, yeah. Well, and unfortunately, that that all came back and bit him on the you know on the butt <laughs> years later uh, when he tried to. Um, uh, bring online his uh, his his system to um, um, send electricity electricity without uh, wires, and uh, uh, his backers found out what he was actually trying to do, and they couldn't they couldn't see any way that they you know, that they could make money off of that. You know how are we going to charge people? To receive yeah. electricity from the uh, atmosphere from the ground, we're not we're not quite sure just exactly how he was going to do it. So they not only did they pull their money from the project, they sued Tesla for the money that they had given him, and they had they they I get they started basically a bad word of mouth about him and told anybody else don't work with this guy he's crazy. You know he's just a he's just a charlatan, uh, and he's he's going to going to steal your money. All the while, you know, continuing to make money off of his uh, earlier patents and inventions. And that that basically uh, this took place in the early 1900s, and so that basically uh, did him in. I mean, he had some minor successes. Uh, uh, through the rest of his life, but he was—he never made the amount of money that he had earlier made, and plus his reputation had been, you know, just completely destroyed. Why did the government do that? I mean, were they afraid that he would well, do something? It wasn't away? the government. It wasn't the government. It was corporations. It was business. Well, the, it was, then why, was, why was the why was the FBI down the hall from him then? Why was the government watching well, him towards the end? 
towards the end, uh, uh, Tesla was uh, uh, every year on his birthday. Uh, the 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 newspapers in New York would interview Tesla, and uh, and they would ask him, you know, like, what are you up to? What great inventions are you working on now, Doctor Tesla? And he would talk about these these ideas that he had. Some of these ideas included his his death beam, uh, which he talked about in the uh, uh, the nineteen thirties, and yeah. um, he act, he actually um uh, uh sold this idea uh to a to the Soviet Union basically uh he he they were working with a front company uh that was uh, in the United States uh, and you know the United States government you know knew this uh it, it was not a big secret that this company you know was a front uh, for the Soviet Union and and Tesla Tesla knew it as well i mean you know at the time uh even though uh, uh you know we didn't like communism you know the, russia was still uh, 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 uh you know against the nazis so yeah. um tesla sold this uh, this death beam uh, idea to uh, to the Soviet Union got a certain amount of money, and obviously the Soviet Union was happy with the results because a couple of years later um, they gave him more money. You know, I, uh, like almost like a reward. Hey, this really worked. This worked really great. Here's more money. Uh, so uh, the United, even though Tesla had tried to convince. The United States, Great Britain, uh, some of the other uh, allied powers that he had these ideas for the death beam, you know, a radar, some some of these other things. Nobody expressed any open interest in working with Tesla, but obviously they were interested in what he was doing because, of, like I said earlier, they they kept a close watch of, on him. Uh, through the FBI and uh, uh, the 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 OSS, partially, probably not only for that, but also they knew that he could be an easy target uh, for Germany or even uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, Tesla's nephew was a uh, a diplomat from Yugoslavia, and uh, with uh, uh, um, communist uh, sympathies. Uh, and in fact, after the end of the war, uh, his his nephew uh, joined the Yugoslavian uh, Communist Party, and, and the U.S. government you know, was well aware of his communist leanings. So I think that uh, they were keeping a close eye on Tesla, not only interested in what he was working on, you know, possibly maybe even secretly uh, uh, helping him uh, a little bit, but uh, also because I think that they were afraid that uh, some other foreign power uh, uh, may try to either kill him, kidnap him, or, or continue to uh, uh, steal his work. Well, wasn't he also involved with um, um, programs that would alter human behavior and things like that? Um, somewhat. Uh, now, 
um, uh, uh, he had he had worked, um, and, and and this took place in I mean way way back in you know like I, like I said like the you know this the early early years of the uh, the twentieth century. He he worked on a um, a resonance device. Uh, which started out as nothing more than a, you know, kind of like a, 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 a steam-driven box that had a hammer in it that uh, would uh, basically, you know, knock on something till it established a resonance with whatever it was it was knocking on. And eventually, once this resonance took place, you know, you could bring down a building, a bridge, you know, what what mm-hmm. have you. In his earlier work on this, he had developed kind of like a platform that um that would vibrate to a certain, you know, uh, certain frequencies, all right? And um now Tesla was uh, very good friends with uh, the writer Mark Twain. And uh, one time when Mark Twain was visiting Tesla, he wanted to know what this platform, you know, did. And Tesla explained, uh-huh. you, know, uh, you know, what it did. And, 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 and Mark Twain was interested. He says, okay, well, what happens? He goes, okay, we know what, what would happen. You know, you put, say, like the, a model of a building on it, and it vibrates, and the building, you know, falls down. What happens if a person is on this and, uh, and Tesla says, well, after so long of time, it loosens your bowels. And Mark <laughs> Twain was like, oh, that's just, that's, that's funny. I don't believe that. He goes, you know, he says, uh, um, I suffer all the time from constipation, and uh, I don't believe something like that would ever fix, you know, my problem. So Tesla said, well, get on it and let's see. So Mark Twain got onto this device, and it started vibrating, and after a while, Mark Twain's constipation was cured. I'll be darned. <laughs> now, okay, um, but... Uh, well, but, uh, you know, uh, Tesla had also um, uh, experimented with some ideas, uh, you know, kind of going back to to, to your, uh, what you had asked. You know, he had, kind of, he had worked on some ideas – that certain uh, uh, radio frequencies uh, could uh, affect the uh, uh, the brain, um, mm-hmm. uh, and and this is something that we now we know now is it, it, true. You know, at first at first he worked with um, um, you know say like uh, uh, AM frequencies, you know, uh, but. Uh, uh, he, Tesla was one of the first to actually uh, work with uh, with microwaves as well, and he was actually able to determine that these various frequencies in microwaves could affect different areas of the, not only the brain but the microwaves especially could affect uh, portions of your inner ear that would produce. Um, Sound isn't the correct word because the sound, you know, is you know comes from the air vibrating. But actually, the microwave would resonate the the bones of your ear to imitate a sound. So uh, uh, Tesla theorized very early on that if you could modulate these microwave frequencies in such a way, you could make it seem like somebody was talking to you. Uh, now, of course. Uh, 
it wasn't until years and years later that uh, the you know the CIA with their MK Ultra mind control experiments discovered that yeah that's yeah. true that you could actually do this but they, I mean this is something that Tesla you know was working on in you know the the, the early 1900s once again though you know uh, Tesla couldn't take these experiments very far because it was very difficult to produce microwaves that didn't fry your brain. <laughs> you know, there it, yeah. it, it was difficult. It was difficult to control the frequencies, and it was difficult to control how they were transmitted. You know, very. I mean, you know, Tesla was one of the first ones to discover that microwaves could actually uh, heat an object. You know, uh, you know, excite the molecules uh, to the point that they actually, you know, uh, heat it up. But uh, and this is one of the things that you know Tesla he he couldn't see any use <laughs> any use to that. So I mean he uh, uh, he I suppose he wasn't quite thinking along the lines of of, of, of culinary <laughs> delights with uh, using <laughs> microwaves. But uh, but you know it's it's like I had said earlier. Uh, there were a lot of things that that Tesla uh, was working on, or or maybe you know accidentally ran across that you know he would uh, write down, or his assistants would write down that you know here's an interesting side effect of such and such experiment, or this happened rather than this happened, and that's as far as it went, either because Tesla lost interest, or uh, he didn't have enough money to continue on with this interesting idea. Most of the time, it was just uh, uh, Tesla would lose interest, you know, because Tesla had a tendency to bounce from one idea to the, to the other, uh, with the well, exception he, of things like. Go ahead, Glenn. No, I was, uh, he, you know, he he was interested with you know contacting hidden dimensions and stuff like that. So there was a, um, I. I would say a spiritual part here, but I, I don't think it was even spiritual. I think it had to do with the fact that he believed that there were other dimensions and, and that, you know, that that there was a way of contacting those other dimensions at some point. I, Tesla, I don't think it was, you know, spiritual as much as it was there, there are these other places that, you know, that, that exist and how do we connect to them mm -hmm. and contact them? Tesla saw the universe as being made up of fields of energy, um, uh -huh. uh, which I mean, you know, we we now know that that that's you know uh, you know pretty much pretty much correct. Now uh, uh, Tesla, however, he he didn't see eye to eye with uh, uh, Einstein in his theories of relativity. Uh, he also uh, he 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 didn't like the ideas of of quantum mechanics, but I think that that you know I mean considering the the era that that uh, Tesla you know grew up and and worked in, I think there's a possibility that a lot of Tesla's theories on how uh, the universe works probably it also involved what we now know as, you know, Einstein's theory of relativity and then the 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 the, the, the theories of, of, of quantum uh, mechanics. Uh, but it's kind of like uh, uh, the, the the blind man 
looking at or you know uh, feeling an uh, feeling an elephant. You know, I mean, if you're focused on only one part of it, you fail to perceive the entirety of it. And I think that uh, uh, Tesla may have been focused due to his interest in, you know, uh, electricity and fields of energy that, um, uh, you know, given enough time, his eyes would have been open more to these, you know, these these other aspects of how the, the, the universe works. I mean, he was kind of skirting around them when he was working on his own um, uh, unified field theory, uh, but he was never able to, uh, at least as far as we know, he was never able to completely uh, develop it. And, you know, you know, who knows? And it's like you said, you know, if he had, uh, if he had been born a hundred years, you know, into the future, uh, you know, such aspects of cosmology may have been readily apparent to him. You know, but uh, you know, unfortunately, the the era that that, that he lived and worked in, um, you know, again, he's he was hampered by uh, by technology, and he was hampered by uh, the scientific uh, you know understanding uh, you know of that of that time. How old was he when he passed? Oh, let's see. He was, I think, uh, um, 80, 80, 85 or eighty seven. So oh, wow. I mean he wasn't uh yeah I mean he you know he he lived a uh, um a, a pretty good long life and and he he could have probably have lived longer but um a year or so before he passed away he uh, he was hit by a cab um uh, in 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 front of his hotel he he liked to go out every day uh with uh, with a bag of peanuts and uh, feed the pigeons at a uh, at a nearby park, you know he 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 loved pigeons, which which is so you know odd because he was a germaphobe. Uh, you had talked yeah. earlier about how he he had certain you know uh, 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 eccentric habits. I mean, he would only the only place that he would ever eat was the dining room of the uh, the new the New Yorker where he lived uh, because he knew. That the, uh, the the cooks would prepare the meal to his specifications, yet here he loved these birds that a lot of people consider rats with wings, uh, and <laughs> and if he would find an if he would find an injured one, you know he would take it back to his hotel and nurse it back to health. Uh, but uh, un- unfortunately, uh, one one time when he was on his way to the park uh, as he was crossing the road, he was hit by a cab and and. He was pretty severely injured, and I don't think that he ever quite uh, completely uh, recovered for it, even though um, uh, uh, his autopsy re- report says that he died of a heart attack. But, you know, as you, as you said uh, um, earlier, Barbara, I mean, there, there are some people who are suspicious that, that Tesla may have been – you know, uh, a set to the Summerland, maybe a little bit early. <laughs> I I suspect he was on the the brink or the edge of something very major, and they just didn't want him to get there. And um, you know, I, I I believe he was a genius, an absolute genius, and and quite often geniuses are not recognized in their time, and certainly he was not. Oh yeah, well, I mean, uh, there, 
there are still, I guess, um, things that that Tesla was working on, and that that are are still uh, uh, being worked on today by various uh, uh, laboratories like DARPA, uh, trying to figure out just exactly you know, what he was on to, and and how he could make it work, and why you know they're not quite. Uh, quite able to. Um, uh, I've I've heard from some very good sources that uh, that that so many of of, of, of Tesla's ideas uh, are are still being researched and 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 developed and and but unfortunately a lot of these ideas are being researched and developed for military purposes, which you know yeah. I I find that just ex- ex- extremely sad not only because it it um you know that 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 just goes completely against what tesla was all about but also because the rest of us may not ever know uh about uh, about these things um and and you know you, you realize that if something is being developed uh, uh to use say like a, a weapons capability there are probably other aspects of it that can be used uh to benefit humanity as as well uh, so uh and, and the way that the military is it may be 50 years before the beneficial aspects of whatever it is that they're working on Based on Tesla technology, it becomes known to uh, to the rest of us. Well, I, I've read someplace that, that there are they're now using Tesla energy in in a lot of the the new material that, that's being developed because certainly pulling energy out of the air uh, is a lot easier than going to the gas station and stuff like that. I mean, if if electric cars are being developed, why not use Tesla energy and then never have to fill them up? Mm. Well, um, you know, Tesla's uh, uh, transmitting tower that, that he built on uh, Long Island in, in New York, uh, that uh-huh. was going to be, you know, the, the, the first of his uh, uh, energy transmission systems. You know, it actually was going to be powered using conventional sources at the time. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, burning coal or things like that. Uh, however, you know, Tesla had other ideas on uh, devices that look somewhat like solar energy panels, but instead of solar energy, these things would have been used to bring in energy, like you said, right out of the atmosphere, right out of the ether. Uh, that 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 universal energy that pervades across time and space. And, you know, Tesla had had some some very interesting ideas along those lines. You know, he earlier he called them cosmic rays, uh, but yeah. uh, but he expanded he expanded on that idea that you know that that the universe is is I mean is this. <laughs> you know, it's just full of energy, and I can't, I can't, I can't. Right now, I can't come up with a better term for it. But I mean, you know, this this universal energy is all around us, and it permeates us, and it can be tapped into and utilized. Yeah, that's what that's what blows my mind. The thing that 
you know, all right, you can't charge for it, but the government could certainly use it, you know, and, and sooner or later we'd get it, we'd be able to. But to have something that is that um, logical to use, why haven't why why haven't they put it into production to some degree to some way so that so that it, it could benefit people i mean there are people in third world countries that that you know it would help tremendously and and i i can't imagine what other notebooks he has you know they 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 saved all of leonardo da vinci's notebooks albeit they were written backwards in the mirror but but <laughs> his stuff is is i mean you know he he was weaponizing his stuff. I mean, actually, right. but, but he had a helicopter yeah. and he had a submarine and he had he had so many inventions, and and you know he just had fun the fun of you know writing them down and developing them and and whatever. But Tesla was persecuted really, and mm-hmm. what a what a waste of of an amazing mind. It's just it's it's so frightening that. It is wasteful, and, and the thought of a lot of his patents were never developed. I, I would imagine that that now now they're expired, so that you could pick up the patent for nothing and possibly develop it further. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the reasons has to do uh, with money. Uh, it's like you said, if if you come up with a way to tap into a universal, uh, uh, almost unlimited energy source, uh, this planet uh, has an economy based on petroleum, basically. Uh, uh, and that uh, uh, the concern is that it would completely devastate the economy, of course, you know when they say the economy, you know it means uh, you know a number of, uh, of of corporations whose CEOs makes uh, you know millions and millions of dollars uh, every year off the backs of the rest of us. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I I, I, th- I think that that's uh, probably the uh, uh, the prevalent reason why you don't see the development of these types of ideas of course you know they use oh well you know this this goes against the laws of uh, of thermal dynamics or 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 what have you uh but uh i mean we've all seen these these interesting stories about these garage inventors coming up with uh, some very interesting uh, uh uh devices and all of a sudden these guys are killed in a car accident their house burns down you know, they died yeah. of unexplained heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're we're real close to being through our two hours here. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? Want to give out your website and stuff like that? Sure. Well, uh, uh, I have a website uh, that I share with uh, Tim Beckley and the rest of the Global Communication Crew. It's Conspiracy Journal. Dot com and it's not just conspiracies. There's all kinds of interesting things: UFOs, the paranormal, cryptid creatures, just you know all the stuff that we're we're interested in. All of my books, uh-huh. you can find them on uh, Amazon. Just look up uh, Tim Swartz or Tim R. Swartz, and uh, I also have a, a webcast uh, with uh, Tim Beckley called Exploring the Bazaar. It's heard Thursday nights at 10 o'clock Eastern Time on the KCOR Digital Radio Network. And you have a book coming out as well, I believe. 
Oh, I always have books coming out. <laughs> right, right now, I am working with Tim Beckley and Sean Castile to uh, put together uh, a, a number of, of channeled writings uh, over the uh, gosh, it's been decades that these writings, messages, have been coming through from the uh, the alleged uh, uh, um, Ashtar Star Command, Ashtar yeah, Group, right, right, so. Yeah, well, I mean, there's been a number of of books throughout the years, so you know, we're trying to bring a lot of these books together into into one you know uh, one big book, so you don't have to try to find because a lot of these books have been long out of print. Uh, yeah. So we want to you know we want to bring these back and let people uh, uh, you know read them again. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for tonight. This has been great, and I look forward to having you back again soon sometime. Well, thank you, Barbara. I had a great time, and uh, I hope your audience uh, enjoyed it as well. <laughs>